everybody. Welcome back to Terrace Talk. Norwich City's Premier League start gets even easier, doesn't it, as they travel to the northwest this weekend to the Etihad Stadium to face uh, no no other than the Premier League champions, Manchester City, which is quite a daunting prospect, I think, which we'll, we'll get into. Delighted to be joined by Norwich fan and freelance football analyst Jack Wright and also one football podcaster and content editor and Manchester City fan Dan Burke. Um, Jack, let's let's start with you. First and foremost, how are you feeling after that sort of game at Saturday, on Saturday against Liverpool where you could probably ch- sort of cut it up into chunks? The first half was was probably OK. The second half, Norwich fatigued a little bit and, uh, well, the defending was was probably tired at best. You, you may choose to, to use other adjectives. Um, how, how, do you, how, how have you kind of reflected on that game in, in kind of the days that have that followed? Yeah, I think it's, it's very much a, a glass half full view of it. Uh, I think we need to take that because obviously we've had a, had a, had a troubled pre-season. We also know the issues with COVID and the, the players are out from that. So taking that out of the equation, obviously missing a couple of pre-season friendlies. I think it was inevitable that we were going to run out of steam, as you rightly say. I think um, there was enough positives from the from the opening, certainly 45 minutes uh, to, to to cling on to, to hope already. Um, but so I think generally... You know, virtually every football fan I'd imagine who was inside a, a stadium for the first time in 18 months wouldn't pretty much leave with positive thoughts anyway. So probably wouldn't have taken too much for us to be able to come out with, uh, with say, happy thoughts. Um, and, and to be fair, I think we just wanted to see some signs of positivity, really. And I think there was definitely that. Obviously, getting some of the new um, signings settled in, um, and you could tell that from obviously Billy Gilmore getting on the ball, and as soon as he was he was passing the ball around, then you know the crowd were up for it, um, wanting desperately for him to to kind of showcase his undoubted um, talent and ability. So, you know, we didn't want to get pummeled. I think that was the first thing. Um, obviously, to take into another massively daunting um, second fixture. So, you know, you look at the the stats from it, as obviously I do in my, my day job, and, you know, it's 50-50% possession. OK, Liverpool might have eased off towards the end, but even so, I think it was fairly even throughout the game. So we've got to take that as a positive. And certainly for those kind of ill-informed, I suppose, that we're expecting Norwich to be chasing the ball this season and d- doubting why someone like Billy Gilmore would want to come to the club, thinking that he wasn't actually going to see any of the ball, that's a proof in point there straight away. You know, obviously, when we were last in the, in the league, we were eighth or ninth as far as presenters of possession is concerned. So it's what you do with the ball, of course, that counts. But that in itself means that, you know, we've got those players in. Um, Lemelu as well, obviously, uh, had a great pre-season and showed signs of what he's about in that in that first game. So I think there was enough there from those players. And Rashidu as well, especially, I think, showed what he has got. And why we've added him into the into the into the squad, uh, and the fact that he's got that pace and that ability to take players on and and kind of break break the lines. So um, that was good. You look at say the underlying stats um, and the xG, the expected goals on it was very tight. In fact, it was one point three three for Norwich and one point seven nine for Liverpool. So not a massive gulf there. And you look at some of the other games in the league that um, the opening weekend. And there was there was quite a golf, you know. We were certainly closer than potentially that three nil scoreline suggests. Um, you know, a couple of unlucky breaks we can put it down to. Um, but as I say I think Norwich fans, as Norwich fans, would we'd want to see things that um, kind of were a progression from um, our last time in in the Premier League, cutting out those mistakes, um, potentially leaving a thirty goal a season strikeout unmarked on the edge of the box 
we want to limit those. But as you said, I think we can put that down to a, um, a disjointed pre-season, um, a lack of fitness. And, uh, and so, yeah, just running out a little bit of steam. But, but certainly positives to take from, I think, um, over, the, over the 90. Yeah, it's it's really interesting kind of how you've broken it down there because I, I actually went to Carroll Road um, last Saturday. We, we, we're kind of two thoughts in my head, really. The first, obviously, being the return of fans, and I'll, I'll get your take on that in a moment after we go to Dan, um, and also kind of looking for those green shoots, like those kind of glass-half-full moments that, that you've kind of spoke about there in terms of performance and, and in terms of the numbers as well from from that performance. So, um, yeah, like you say, I think even though the scoreline, most people will see that probably shrug their shoulders and go, well, that's probably expected. As you said, there, I think this game had a lot of green shoots for Norwich that hopefully they can build on in the coming weeks when, when their fitness um, gets up to, up, up to speed. Attempts at goal, which I think, you know, or at three on target. But, you know, if we're getting in those positions to at least attempt, then if we continue that through potentially against the lesser lights with a bit more composure in front of goal, Obviously, Lucas Rupp had four attempts on, on Saturday. If that potentially was someone else, then we might get a little bit more, um, you know, uh, on target. Uh, and then, you, then you're looking at a, an opportunity. But, um, yeah, absolutely. I think there was there was lots to take of positive from it. And uh, obviously, we move on now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, Dan, let's let's come to you. You, you will have seen, uh, I'm, I'm sure, the, the various images, various videos, match of the day, whatever, of stadiums being full again obviously it's something that Manchester City are, are set to experience on Saturday for the first time uh, I don't know if you're you're going to be there I think someone said you, you might be in Germany um, that's right yeah so so you, you well I'll leave it to you to, to see if you're going to be be there but in, in terms of a spectacle and a sight that must be that must be a, a massive lift to to Manchester City and, and yeah and the players and staff yeah, exactly. Yeah, but I, I won't be at the game. I do. I am based in Germany, so I don't get to too many games these days. Uh, certainly won't be going to this one. But uh, I mean, I thought you were going to make a joke about our uh, empty seats at the stadium for a moment there, which uh, which would've, I would have let you off with. But fair enough. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I think everyone is is so happy to be to be back in back in stadiums, aren't they? All, all up and down the country, just hearing the noise of the crowd on TV last week was fantastic, and the songs and um, everyone. Uh, really missed that aspect. It feels weird to think back to last season when we were playing in these sort of soulless, empty stadiums, this weird feeling of just like emptiness and desolation. Um, it was quite nice for us because we, we watched our team march towards the Premier League title. And I suppose it was probably quite nice for you guys to see a, see a team coming up from the Championship as well. Uh, but for, I think for a lot of people, they, they sort of fell out of love with the game a little bit last season to, and totally understandably. Um, it's just not the same, is it? It's just not... You know, it, it sort of felt like watching people just like doing the jobs um, last at times last season with with no all the sort of soul and passion um, taken away from the game. So yeah, it's it's really great to to have the fans back. I'm looking forward to to uh, watching the game on TV this weekend and, and hearing hearing the uh, the Etihad in full voice. Hopefully, I, I don't know if you've seen this. this is a slightly um, tongue in cheek question but edible coffee cups what's what's that about what's that about <laughs> oh don't, don't get me started I, I don't know I mean uh, it's uh you might say that a club that's uh you know backed by oil billions uh trying to do a uh environmentally friendly move is, is a little bit hypocritical might you uh I guess anything that sort of uh contributes towards the uh helping the climate crisis it should be should be applauded nowadays but uh I mean, there was there was a tweet yesterday that was saying that fans won't be forced to eat the edible coffee cups if they don't want to. They can still dispose of them. And it's like, well, if you're going to buy an ed edible coffee cup, you might as well eat it. Eh? It's a waste of food otherwise. What's it going to be made out of? Any any ideas? I don't, I, know. I don't know. If, I don't know how what sort of material would be 
I, I guess, kind of like an edible paper, I suppose. Yeah, um, I don't think it's like pastry or anything like that. That would be a bit no. weird, wouldn't it? Well, my, my first thought was kind of chocolate, but then that wouldn't help, wouldn't it? So <laughs> yeah. you'd have to look for alternatives on that. But anyway, we digress. Um, <laughs> Jack Grealish, £100 million of, of talent. Um, let's let's get kind of the, the, the question I think that Norwich fans will be most keen. Harry Kane's not going to sign before Saturday, is he? Because that is a, no. that is a properly terrifying prospect. <laughs> no, no, it seems... Uh, well, your, your former player, Harry Kane, won't be coming back to haunt you this weekend, don't worry. Yeah. Um, it seems very unlikely that that is going to happen anytime soon. It, you know, possibly the final hours of the transfer window, if at all. Seems like it's not getting any closer. Um, I think Spurs are very steadfast in their valuation of him and City are hoping that they will sort of blink first and, and want to negotiate at some point. I mean, there are rumours that Spurs are trying to buy other players as well, um, almost as if they're lining up a replacement in case the worst happens and Kane does go. But I think they want about £160 million for him and we're, we're willing to pay about £120 million. So there's, there's a bit of... Uh, brinkmanship going on there I think but yeah he definitely won't be playing this this weekend Grealish uh, I would imagine he will start after he started against Spurs and played pretty well last week um, he looks like he's, he's settled into the club quite well so far so I'm um, hoping to see uh, you know some more uh, chances created and maybe maybe chipping in with a goal from him this weekend yeah, if if you'd have told me when Harry Kane was on loan at Norwich City that he'd end up potentially being a one hundred million pound player, I, I don't think many would have believed you in Carrow Road. <laughs> um, wasn't wasn't his best loan spell. We'll put yeah. it that way. But a, a wonderful, ta- wonderfully talented player. Um, Jack, were you, were you at Carrow Road last weekend? Did you get to experience the the first game back with supporters? And if so, whether you were there or whether you weren't, what was that experience like to see those seats full again, to see Carrow Road full again, and uh, and what did that kind of add to the atmosphere? Yeah, it was, it was incredible, wasn't it? Um, so the, the, the Gillingham game was a little bit of a taster, having like 10,000 there for that. But that was the real deal. The build-up towards it, obviously the game being of an evening as well. Um, live on Sky, we had the build-up throughout the day, obviously seeing the other other clubs. And, um, you know, I took in the Manchester United game and Leeds fans were in, you know, despite getting you know, the result they got, were in the, in the, uh, still in the stand sometime after the game, still singing. And I think that just summed it up, really. Um, and yeah, for us, like that said, the build-up towards the game was phenomenal. The start was just um, yeah, couldn't wait for it to begin. But kind of at the same time, you're sort of soaking up that that first time back in the stadium and seeing seeing what you normally used to see on a, on a match day. Um, yeah, cracking atmosphere. And um, yeah, again, obviously back in the Premier League was uh, was the icing on the cake for that. And uh, obviously one of the one of the big boys, one of the elite. Yeah, absolutely. As Dan kind of summed up quite nicely, really, it was it was this this weird situation where Norwich were having their best season ever in in Championship terms, at least in terms of points, and yet nobody could see it. And there, there's kind of this sort of contrast that, uh, and maybe I'll ask you both this to an extent: Does winning a title behind closed doors not tarnish it as an achievement, but maybe disconnects you from it slightly? Is is that kind of the view you had watching football over the last twelve months? I'll start with Jack, and then we'll come to Dan on that. Yeah, yeah. I think everyone would want to be in the stadium as, as you know, that momentum built throughout the season. It, obviously, we started not overly well, so um, there was those doubts, you know, given how we ended the Premier League season of two campaigns ago, how we then would would kind of bounce back from that. And it started off, say, not overly confidently, didn't it? So um, it would have been interesting to see the dynamic in the stadium at that point of time. But the team were obviously allowed to settle. Um, and, and then went on that fantastic run, which, say, from around Christmas time, never looked like we were going to relinquish top spot. So certainly towards the end of the season, you'd have wanted to be there for that to soak up the atmosphere. I took it as a bit of a positive. I tried. I was clinging on to any positive I could. 
But the fact that, you know, we got to see a lot more of the games. So obviously a lot more on TV, um, the away games, the ones that you probably wouldn't be able to get, get to so easily, certainly. Um, you know, and the ability to stream those games as well and watch and say have, have more content probably to get, get stuck into um, was the only positive, I suppose, we can take from it and uh, seeing more of those games. But nothing like being at a live game, obviously, especially with a full house. Well, well, this is it. I suppose for for you, Dan, being based in Germany, you probably got access possibly to a lot more Premier League games than you would in any ordinary season. Yeah, that's right. I mean, they show pretty much every game over here now. And uh, yeah, it's a bit of a weird one for me because I'm kind of, I've been over here for four years now. So I'm kind of used to watching games on TV now. So it's not, I probably didn't miss it last season as much as people who go home and away every week. And it's like, you know, something they really build their, build their life around and build their social life around. Um, at the same time, it was, you know, during the lockdowns, um, it was like all I, all I had to live for, really, at, at one point. There was nothing else going on. You know, it was I, I was living from match to match, and, and City really kind of stepped up for us last season and really gave us something to to look forward to. They were, they were sort of a beacon of hope in our lives at times, really. So um, and, and when we did lift the Premier League title, there were 10,000 fans at the Etihad to watch that, so that didn't feel quite so weird. Uh, you know, I, I can't imagine what it would have been like to see them lifting the trophy in an empty stadium and uh, the Champions League final. There were, there were a few fans able to make it over for that as well. So... It kind of worked out all right in the end, but yeah, I, I hope hope we never have to go back to that again because because I, I really uh, don't didn't enjoy that that aspect of football at all. Yeah, spawn. It's um, it was it was weird uh, as as Jack kind of painted there. Just for for media who were kind of allowed into those games behind closed doors, as as, as I was fortunate enough to be for for a few of them. Even your your routine in terms of you have to get your temperature checked, you have to hand in this form. It's it's all very kind of difficult to get into a ground. Um, as opposed to on Saturday where you just opened the door and walked in, it kind of felt like that. The difference was was incredible, really. And I think, um, yeah, it's something that, that we definitely won't take for, for granted again. Um, Dan, just to, to come back to you, Manchester City have, have started their season and, and I guess you could you could say they ended it with that Champions League defeat against Chelsea. Sorry to bring that up. Um, also the Community Shield defeat and now a defeat to Spurs as well. So in terms of a start to, to a season, this isn't, ideal is it for, for Pep Guardiola and, and, and Manchester City particularly for their title aspirations this season although it's only one game of course no no it's, it's a weird time for City at the moment actually I mean the, the Champions League final was um, it, it was a great thing for us to get to the final you know our first ever final we were so excited about that the, the performance on the night was was really disappointing um, losing the game 1-0 and, and when City go 1-0 down in the big game it's quite rare that they come back and turn it around and, and, and watching City chasing one of those games is quite a painful experience to, to watch and uh, that, that result and that performance left a, a bit of a sort of dark cloud over the whole summer really and um, this kind of euphoric feeling that we had about winning the Premier League title wore off quite quickly and then we go into the new season looking very undercooked um, which is understandable as you know as Jack mentioned earlier everyone's had a, a bit of a disjointed pre-season and players go into the Euros, quite a lot of our players played in the final of the Euros, so so they've been coming back very slowly. Um, and we went into the Community Shield and, and that was a, a, a game that had its moments, you know, there were a few young kids playing and um, fringe players and, and, and we played some nice stuff at times but weren't great overall, lost the game to a, a, a silly defensive error and a penalty at the end. And then you go into the Spurs game and, and Guardiola had already sort of preempted it by saying, look, we're not going to be at our best for a few weeks here. We might uh, show some flashes of brilliance. And, and they did against Spurs. They, the first 15 minutes, they were really good. Uh, and that was about it. After that, they were, they were really poor. And as soon as Spurs went in front, it seemed like that was going to be it. And, and City were chasing the game and aren't good when they're doing that. You know, they tend to cross the ball into the box a lot and teams can, can sit back with a low block and just, just bat them away, really. So, yeah, we're, we're looking 
our rivals for the title now, potentially, you know, the likes of Manchester United, uh, Liverpool, Chelsea, all played really well, got really good results last week. They don't look as, as, as sort of underprepared for the new season as we do. So um, I think everyone's hoping for a, a really good performance from City that will uh, against Norwich this weekend that will restore some confidence because it's a bit low at the moment. And especially since they uh, released our new third kit last, last <laughs> night as well. I don't know if you've seen that, but everyone's just like, what is going on with this club at the moment? Everything's going wrong. <laughs> Yeah, that, uh, yeah, I think the less said about, about those kids, the better. Not, <laughs> not, not great, not great. Um, you, you mentioned there, it's, it's quite interesting to, to get that perspective in terms of Manchester City being at their, maybe a little bit short of confidence at the moment. From a Norwich perspective, I'm sure there'll be a lot of Norwich fans watching this feeling really rather encouraged by that, particularly, obviously, um, when you look at the squad list and, and the sheer amount of talent available to Pep Guardiola. But do, do you think, in many ways, you mentioned their confidence booster, that sort of thing. Is that how they'll see this Norwich game, that opportunity to really kind of springboard on and, and, and so I guess, sort of start their season in a sense? I think so, yeah. I mean, I don't think... Um, I mean, Guardiola, I think he's a huge admirer of Daniel Farker, isn't he? And he knows exactly what Norwich can do and he'll be preparing for this as much as he prepares for a game against anybody and he won't be taking anything for granted. So there's no sense of like overconfidence, like, oh, this is an easy three points, you know, we'll, we'll get this one out of the way and, and, and kick on. I think I think City will be nervous about what Norwich can do to them and I think, you know, there's kind of similar styles of play as well. It's not like... Um, when, when we play against a team who, who are just sort of the lambs to the slaughter, I think Norwich are going to come and play football. And that that is sometimes uh, difficult for City when, when teams are like that. So I, I would like to think that we will uh, we will come out and, and have a few players back. And uh, some of the players playing last week will, will uh, be a bit sharper and, and we'll, we'll play a bit like we did last season and, and certainly defend a little bit better than we did last week against Spurs. Um, but yeah, I'm certainly not expecting a, a walkover for City. It's not going to be like the uh, the seven nil game we had against you a few years back, if you remember that one. Yeah, yeah. There's there's, there's plenty of painful defeats I think at the Etihad that, that Norwich fans could could certainly uh, well hopefully forgotten about. Um, we, we we tend to sort of look at the the two wins in terms of that Johnny Housen goal at the Etihad and obviously the, the one at Carrow Road a couple of years ago. But yeah, they've been on the end of some some real beatings. Um, and, and on that front, Jack does. What Dan has said there about low on confidence, maybe a little bit undercooked, disjointed. I mean, we could we could say similar things about Norwich right at the moment, but does that give you as as a Norwich fan a little bit more confidence heading to the Etihad that maybe it won't be as as daunting as as maybe we're we're all kind of preparing and bracing ourselves for? No, <laughs> um, you got a feel for City to be fair, haven't you? That's tough, tough, very tough. I'm I'm hoping um, that Pep probably sees it as an opportunity to you know showcase his ability to to get away once out of the board and another another nil on the scoreboard for them and they have to go and get Harry Kane so that's mm-hmm. what we can hope for but no we've got to you know we've got to go there and take heart from the fact that um yeah they have had um well if you take the community shield as a competitive game then that's three back-to-back competitive one nil defeats so pretty much unheard of in 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 recent times for for Man City so um, you've got to look at how those teams went about that. Um, three relatively different teams in different parts of their journey. So what Chelsea um, and Spurs especially. Um, and it was interesting to see that Spurs kind of mirrored Chelsea's uh, approach to um, to the Champions League final in that they played a front three, but a very narrow front three. So kind of, again, mirroring uh, the, the Man City back um, defend, defensive area where they, they kind of keep it quite narrow and allow the width to be used by by their wide players. So um, I think 
this is probably one of the first times where you look at the sale for us, obviously, of Buendia and go, this is what it brings to the table in that rather than having that one style of play where we obviously will go primarily through ME, um, we've now kind of come away from that and have been able to purchase three or four different players that bring different different attributes. So um, I think, yeah, we can we can probably tweak things around a little bit, both prior prior to the game for our starting eleven, um, and then have the ability to change things up, either if things are going very well in the game or, or not so well. So I think that's uh, that'll be a key element to see how Daniel Farker does approach the game and uh, what that starting eleven will look like, and and if the approach is a little bit different from what we're used to seeing. Yes, it's interesting what you said there, and, and you kind of spoke earlier on about the breakdown in numbers, and and we spoke about those green shoots, um, that those sort of glass half full sort of moments in in that Liverpool performance, and and some of it, particularly when you when you look at some of the data, not all of it, but some of it suggests that Norwich City did do a little bit of the counter attacking elements, perhaps a little bit better than they have done previously. So. Yeah. I think when you think of players like Milo Rashica and maybe what, what he can offer to, to Norwich's attack, someone who's a bit more direct and he, he caused Trent Alexander-Arnold some real problems in behind uh, yeah. sort of in, in, in the opening first half um, or the half of, of the first half. Yeah. Do, do you feel like that's what Norwich City will, will look to exploit, that pace in the transition, try and use those attacking transitions to really hurt Manchester City? Uh, that's kind of what you've alluded to there. Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, we've got, we have got the players to uh, implement that now, certainly. Um, and I think that, that say, so we, if we can keep it kind of narrow as such and bottle up the middle of the field, then you're going to force Manchester to go wide. And I think Dan did mention it earlier that it comes to the point where they'll either come back into traffic or, or put a cross into the box. And certainly Grant Hanley and Ben Gibson, should they be playing, I'm sure they will be, would rather have that scenario rather than chasing a false nine to the halfway line, etc. So, yeah, I think so. I think if we can keep keep it that way uh, and then look to exploit on the break, I saw Tottenham did, again, much a similar thing. Their front three was was Son, um, more central, uh, and they had Lucas Moura to the right and Stephen Bergwijn to the left, um, all primarily kind of wide players, but playing very central. Um, but then with the ability to spin in behind and exploit the gaps uh, down so down down the sides of the, the central defenders. Um, yeah, and also they're breaking the lines. They're getting in between Fernandinho um, and, and, and the defence quite <laughs> regularly, to be honest. And to say, if we've got Rasicu who did show that against uh, Liverpool, um, I think Josh Sargent would be a very interesting addition to the to starting eleven. I think he showed what he was about in, the, in his cameo. Um, and obviously what we read uh, prior to his signing um, was that he is probably one of those forward players that you will sign for their work off the ball uh, and, and in the press as much as anything else. So um, I think that this game obviously is tailor-made for that type of player. So, um, yeah, I think we either, <laughs> believe it or not, instead of um, Puki through the middle or potentially as an option in a, in a wider area. That's, that's really interesting. Dan, as, as uh, obviously someone who, who watches a lot of Manchester City and Jack has kind of um, really explained there how Chelsea and Tottenham went about stopping Manchester City. Is, is this now going to become a theme, do you think, for Pep Guardiola? Manchester City almost need to coach their way out of that to, to find a solution. Otherwise, we're going to get kind of what we're speaking about here, which is Norwich looking to replicate uh, Tottenham and then you have the next opponent trying to replicate what Norwich did and then it becomes a bit more of a problem, doesn't it? Do you think Guardiola will will tweak what he does in terms of trying to get round what, the sort of setup that, that Jack spoke about there? 
Yeah, I hope so. I mean, uh, he uh, he's pretty good at solving problems, old Pep. So I'll, I, I do back him to, to work it. Yeah, it's, it's not it's not for me to question him, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, last season they they um, they sort of solved the problem that, that they were having early in the season when they were getting broken against really easily and were really sort of flimsy um, by sort of dropping the defensive line back a little bit. And, and Ruben Diaz and John Stones were doing a lot of like winning duels and that kind of thing, which really helped. And um, the midfield wasn't under so much pressure then because we, we do you do usually play with that single defensive midfielder. It was Fernandinho against Spurs last week and uh you know he's 35 now. I don't really think he's got what it takes to play on his own in, in the middle in a game like that anymore. Uh the alternative is Rodri who isn't the most mobile player but but perhaps is a little bit more um savvy in terms of like dropping off his man and, and not not getting people charging past him all the time. So um, I hope he plays ahead of Fernandinho this week, and that might help things somewhat. I am I am concerned about the counter attack, especially after what you just said there, Jack. That is a a problem that I think City are uh, gonna gonna come up against again this season. Um, I just hope that it's a case that we are perhaps creating some better chances this week. Um, we do have players coming back in in defence, the likes of Kyle Walker, who's really good uh, against counter attacks because of his pace. Zinchenko at left back is is a much better option than Mendy, who had a shocker against Spurs last week and has had a pretty shocking time at, at City overall, really. So um, those those sort of players will be coming back in. You might see Kevin De Bruyne starting this weekend, which would be massive for us. Uh, I don't know if he's one hundred percent fit yet, so he might end up coming off the bench. But even so, he, he once he came on against Spurs last week, we looked like we had half an idea what we were doing in an attacking sense and actually started creating some decent openings. So uh, yeah, I think it's just going to be a case of City having probably two or three more weeks until they're, until they're sort of firing on all cylinders again and then they can kind of work out how they're going to approach the rest of the season from there. Yeah, it kind of feels from what you said there that Manchester City are probably in a similar boat to Norwich where they're, they're probably two weeks away from where they need to be because of that mm. disjointed pre-season Norwich for kind of COVID-related reasons and Manchester City, for, for what you said earlier, for, for the Euros um, primarily. Just just kind of zooming out on, on Man City a little bit because it seems like a lot of the national discourse around Manchester City is around the Champions League and, and, and winning that. As, as a fan, how, how do you kind of see it at the moment? Because Premier League is, is obviously there to be won again. I think Manchester City are, are certainly most people's favourites for, for that. Chelsea, Manchester United, Liverpool, as, as you mentioned um, sort of earlier on, it seems like we're kind of going back to those days of having a, a proper top four again is, is kind of the way it feels like. So as a Manchester City fan, how do you view it this season? Where do you think Pep will put his priorities? Will it be on the league, the Champions League, both? How, how do you kind of see it? I think the the, the league is always their priority for, for Pep. I think he he would say that. And, and a lot of people look into, uh, from, from the outside looking into the club, seem to believe that the Champions League is... The, the be all and end all for City, and I, I don't think it is. Maybe at board level there is more desperation to win it than among the fans. The fans would certainly love to win it, and we were certainly, um, you know, delighted to get to the final last season and, and really gutted that we didn't win it, and, and hope that we can replicate that and, and go one step further this season or or in the coming seasons. But I don't know. I, I don't know if you could prioritise a knockout competition in the same way you can with the league. I think what if if you win in the league, you, you have a great path to something. Um, if you're winning the Champions League, you're not always necessarily the best team in Europe. You know, it's, it, it doesn't always work out like that. I don't think Chelsea were the best team in Europe last year, were they? I mean, they finished fourth in the Premier League and went on to, to win the win the Champions League. So um, I think, yeah, they've got to be aiming to win the league. I think it's going to be a lot harder this season. I mean, they basically took three months off at the start of last season and came back to, back to win it somehow. They're not going to get away with that this time. I don't know how many points they're going to be able to drop, but it's not going to be that many. I think they finished with 89 last season or maybe even fewer than that, which is... Uh, you know, in terms of recent points totals for winning the Premier League is not 
particularly impressive. They had a pretty poor home record last season, uh, which is something they're going to have to uh, improve upon. So, and you look at the teams around us, everyone's strengthened, everyone's looking good, even even Manchester United, who are the, the second best team last season, they, they're looking a lot sharper going into the new season. So there's a lot of pressure and I think the pressure is definitely on City to win the Premier League above all else. And if they can win the Champions League or, or a cup competition, then that, that's just seen as a bonus, really. Interesting stuff in in terms of expectations, and obviously for for Norwich Jack, it's it's staying up, isn't it? This is this is the team that they played last week against Liverpool, kind of a, a four three three um, variation in and out of possession, of of course, and and that usual caveat in terms of changes and and how Daniel Farker will, will approach it. There's been a lot of talk about him potentially moving back to a back five or um, going back to that four two three one, which has served him so well throughout his his kind of Norwich tenure. Looking at that 11 on, on the screen that that we've got now, what kind of, uh, you've kind of alluded to maybe dropping Puki out. Um, Lucas Rupp, I guess, is, is probably a point of contention for, for, for other people. Looking at that 11, what changes would you make uh, as Norwich head to the Etihad on Saturday if you were Daniel Farker? Um, I, I'd, I would keep Puki through the middle purely for his ability to run off the shoulder um, and, and say run those channels and, and exploit any areas that we can work into. Um, no reflection on his performance against Liverpool or what he's produced over the last 12 months, but I'd probably take Todd out and bring Sargent in uh, purely for the mobility um, and, and said the press and uh, said just for the, the one-off game tactic, really. Um, and probably if he's fit enough, Kenny McLean in for, for Lucas Rupp. Interesting stuff. Interesting. Um, in, in terms of how Norwich will go for the rest of the season. Do, do you see them adopt? I mean, we kind of spoke about this earlier and, and maybe how it's suggesting and certainly their recruitment has suggested they're moving towards a more counter-attacking style. Is that something you see them adopting throughout the season? Do you see them being a bit more or a few more variations in terms of opposition and, and perhaps playing, as, as Daniel Farker, I suppose, has said, playing Burnley at home is a lot different to playing Manchester City away. So are you expecting Norwich to be quite fluid, quite flexible in, in how they approach this season? I am, yeah, and I'm, I'm hoping we will be as well. Um, I think one thing for Daniel Farker that we've learned from his time here is he's very studious. He, he loves to analyse. Um, obviously, he's got his team around that as well. Um, and I think they would have taken a lot from our last performance in the Premier League and, and learned from it and know what they have to do to adapt to that. And I think, yeah, having the ability to, to change for a Burnley at home to a Man City away is crucial. Um, and as I say, as much as we would have loved... Um, Emmy to stay. His departure is going to probably mean that we're going to be able to have a, a, a better all-round team than than kind of effectively, you know, for well if we were if we were going to uh, any side in the Premier League that that was our threat. They could sit on Emmy and 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 stop him creating. Then we were going to be in trouble. So I think we, if we can spread that around the, the group now, then then that will send us in a lot stronger stead. Um, I think, you know, so where we were let down last week really was probably the final ball. And it was it was the, the killer. And so the, the XG stats kind of alluded to that as well. It was pretty close. It was just how we, um, you know, kind of linked up with the final ball into the box or the final shot. So that was obviously going to come with time on the training field and time playing together in match situations. So um, that side of it, I think, is positive with what we've got. And looking at the talent we've now got in those forward areas, very exciting for the season ahead, to be fair. I thought say, Rashica was was certainly in that first um, half or so, first half of the half, <laughs> was um, showed what he 
was capable of and added something different from what we've had before. Obviously, we're very much looking forward to Scollis coming in and um, showcasing his undoubted talent. And uh, so hopefully he can trans transfer what he showed last season into this season. So I'm excited to see him get some game time over the coming weeks, maybe not on Saturday, but over the coming weeks. Um, and obviously, our, our next signing will be the crucial one for me. Um, that would be the the CDM, um, how we fill that skip-sized hole. Because um, I think as much as we, we raved about him last season, we still probably didn't rave enough. He was uh, such a you know kind of key element into what we could do last season. So um, without him, we're going to be a different, or without that, that type of player, we're going to be a, a different animal. So... What they've got in mind for who that who that person is will be very interesting to see. Really looking forward to that, and uh, so get that get that acquisition right. And I think we're going to be definitely competitive in the lower third of the league. Dan, let's let's come to you. Manchester City are the, are the home side on on Saturday. How do you see this game going? And then, of course, I'll, I'll ask you for that dreaded score prediction as <laughs> uh, as well. Are you confident Manchester City can get their first win of the campaign? Yeah, I think. Uh, I think we're going to be better than last week. I think it's just going to, like I said, it's going to take some time for City in and, and I think a week at this stage of the season is, is a lot of time uh, for Guardiola to spend some time with his players on the training pitch and get his ideas across to them for how they want to approach things, uh, get some more sharpness and freshness in the legs. It's going to be good. Having players coming back is going to be, going to be really good. I don't think we're going to see um, peak, you know, City firing on all cylinders this this weekend, but I think we're going to see a, an improvement, I hope. So I think it's going to be quite a tight game. I'm not going to go for a big scoreline. I reckon something like maybe 2-0 or 2-1 to City, Manchester City, that is. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think it's going to be a good game, an entertaining game, and, and I'm just looking forward to seeing 3pm Saturday football back in front of fans. It's going to be great. Yeah, it really is. It really is. Really excited. First Norwich away day, isn't it? In in kind of 18 months, really. So there's that as aspect as, uh, as well, Jack. From a Norwich perspective, how do you see, I, I'm kind of asking this with, um, with red, really, how, how do you kind of see this one going for, for Norwich? And then, of course, I'll ask you for your score prediction as well. Yeah, it's going to be, obviously, it's going to be an extremely tough task. We know that, goes without saying. Um, I think they say we, if we can stay competitive in the game, um, it said depends on the fitness levels. Obviously, like we said last time, um, last week, we, we just kind of faded. So they would have stepped up a little bit from obviously having the game and also what we've been pro uh, training this, this week. Um, if we can stay competitive. And obviously, the first goal is extremely crucial. If we can get that and give us something to hold on to, then we, we will have a chance, especially given Manchester City's recent form. And I'm sure that the Etihad faithful will be a little nervous if we were to get a goal. Um, and you can imagine it being, especially if it's, it's goalless and we're frustrated for the first half, get one towards the end of the first half and send them in a half-time one down. It'll be interesting to see the reaction. So that, I think, has got to be our game plan. Um, keep it tight. Sounds It's easier said than done. Um, nullify what the threats are and, 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 and say, try and exploit what we've got going forward on the break and be more clinical in the final third. Go on then, score prediction. <laughs> How do you say it? Head or heart? <laughs> um, my head's saying that we'll, we'll lose and I'll go for 3-0. It's very okay. away to what about, what, <laughs> What's your heart saying? Let's end on that because that might be a bit more positive. Yeah, it'll be more positive. Yeah, I'll go for a 2-1 win. 
There we go, <laughs> lovely stuff. So, so we, we've separated your head and heart. We'll see what's uh, we'll see what's right. Uh, hopefully, uh, from a Norwich perspective, obviously, um, uh, certainly hope your, your heart is right. That would be some result, of course. Yeah. Gents, thank you so much for for joining me. Thank you all very much for watching. Um, leave a comment down below or wherever you're watching this. Uh, your score prediction as well. It's um it's a difficult task for Norwich City, but maybe not an impossible one. And that's uh, that's maybe the encouragement we can take. Thank you very much for watching. Pinkin.com, of course, the place to go for all the latest Norwich City news and views. And we'll see you again very, very soon. Yeah.